Hello and welcome to Unfamous, the podcast where unfamous pastors preach the fame of God. I'm your host, Cubby Westerberg. Our show is about listening to local reform pastors who minister to small congregations, but they faithfully exposit the word and preach from the scriptures. These unfamous pastors are unknown to basically everyone but their own congregation, so I want to introduce them to you. You are listening to part two of a two-part message on prayer. So if you haven't heard the first one, I encourage you to go back and give it a listen. Today, Pastor Brandon encourages us to pray that God would open the door for the gospel to go forward. And not only that, but also that we would go through the door and take the opportunities we have to share the gospel. At the end of the message, he addresses a group of young believers who are about to be baptized And it's truly a treasure to get to listen in on this church family moment where an unfamous pastor ministering to a small local congregation encourages his sheep to be people of prayer as they embark on their new life in Christ. This is what the local unfamous church is about. And it's the prayers of the saints that make them effective. Let's listen in. Listen now to a specific prayer request that the apostle has. Look with me at our text, verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make clear, make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Now, what's the mystery? This is really important here. What's the mystery? The mystery is talking about God's unfolding plan. Throughout history, God has been unfolding one unified plan. And that plan culminates in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did in his death and in his resurrection. So if you wanted to boil it down and say, what's the mystery? You would say, Jesus Christ. God revealing his son, Jesus Christ, to a sinful world that must see him and must believe upon him to be saved. That's the mystery. And so Paul's prayer request here is that a door would be opened for him to declare the mystery. What's he talking about when he uses this metaphor of a door? What's he talking about? A metaphor. He's using this metaphor for a door, that God would open a door. I think it's kind of twofold. One, he is praying that he's asking them to pray that God would that God would work sovereignly, providentially in circumstances to create opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. That he would open doors of opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but not just the door of opportunity, but also the door of people's hearts. That's what he's praying for, both ends of that that doors of opportunity would be open and doors of human hearts would be open to the gospel as he proclaims it. And there's one really important assumption here that I don't want us to miss. Because he says here, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door. Who opens the door? It's a simple point, but one of the most important points in this passage There's a massive assumption here. God must open the door. The text is highlighting God's sovereignty in salvation. Do you believe that? It's not about gimmicks. It's not about us doing this and that. Ultimately, God has to open the door. (laughs) 
We need him to work through circumstances providentially, and we need him to work in hearts supernaturally. God has to open these doors. Now, his sovereignty, the fact that he has to do it, that makes us desperate in prayer. Do you, do you have that in your bones? That only God can open the door of the human heart? Maybe people that you're longing to see saved, do you believe with all your might that God must open the door? His sovereignty, will, if you really believe it, you'll be desperate in prayer. Desperate. You will pray much and you'll pray earnestly. You'll pray persistently, watchfully, with thanksgiving. You will be desperate in prayer. His sovereignty in salvation makes us desperate in prayer. And guess what? His goodness makes us hopeful. We see his goodness, how he showed up before. Look around this room and see the souls that he saved. We recognize how good he's been to our souls. Then all of a sudden the windshield's clear and we start praying and asking God to do what ultimately only he can do. His sovereignty makes us desperate in prayer, but his goodness makes us hopeful in prayer. How would we apply this, this call to um this, this call to pray, this prayer request that Paul has to pray for an open door. I want to say the, the most immediate application to this text is praying for missionaries and pastors around the world right now. Praying that God would open the door of opportunity for the gospel. This is really stunning how God can work in this. You know, I just think of different stories from missionaries and how seemingly just weird turn of events happen. And even things that you're going like, oh, this is terrible, but all of a sudden, that's the door that opened up for the gospel. I think of like Corey Timboom, and they tell the story of how when they were in a work camp and they're wanting to share the gospel, the guards are breathing down their neck all the time, a lice outbreak happens in the barracks. Guess where the guards don't want to go? Guess where the Bible study happened? God opened a door sovereignly. We don't know how he's going to do it, but we are praying for God to open the door for our brothers and sisters, especially in the hardest places in the world where it seems virtually impossible to be able to share the gospel with people. We pray for those gospel efforts, especially the missionaries that we are sending out. We're praying for God to open the doors and to open hearts. But it's also going to be applied right here at home in the context of our church, week in and week out, the word of God gets to be preached right here. What would God want, according to this text? Well, the opportunity seems like it's being taken pretty much every week, right? The, the, for the gospel to be preached, right? But what should we be praying on the other end of that? For God to open hearts. For God to open hearts. It's so powerful to pray. How, how vigorously do you pray? for the preached word here at FBC. You know, one of the things that's encouraged me so much in this past season is the movement toward prayer that God is doing in the hearts of saints at FBC. I've been so encouraged sitting in prayer meetings and watching numbers swell in these prayer meetings and watching not just more people in the rooms, more bodies in the rooms, but hearts that are more engaged in praying for things like we're talking about in this text right now. My heart has been moved. I have felt unusual power at times. I have a sense that God's going to do something before we even get to the, the main service in the mornings, that God's going to do a work. And 
just as another encouragement, I remember two years ago being discouraged by the prayerlessness of our church. Genuinely discouraged. To the point where I remember sitting with Daniel in my office, weeping in prayer with Daniel, pleading with God to awaken a spirit of prayer in our church. And I know others were praying for it as well. And here we are, and God is starting to do. He's starting to do it in people's hearts. And it's so, so encouraging to see. And my heart has been built up in it. And um, I remember the story of Charles Spurgeon. He, Someone came to visit his church, the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. And someone opens the door. These people are visiting. And he said, oh, do you want a tour of the building? And the person, the guy gives them a tour. He brings them to all the different classrooms. He brings them to the sanctuary. And then he brings, and he says, do you want to see the engine of the church? And people are like, hmm, what's that? And he brings them down to this room, this large open room under the church. And he swings open the door. And inside he sees over 300 people in earnest prayer. And he says, this is the engine room of the church. And Spurgeon was always glad to say, people would say, like, where's the power come in your preaching? Without wavering, he would always say, I attribute it to the prayers of my people. They pray. And so I just invite you, some of you are praying often and earnestly for the preaching of the word here. And I invite more of you to be praying earnestly, even in moments like this, that God would open up the hearts of all of us to receive the word that he has. So it applies missionaries, pastors beyond uh, across the world. It applies to uh, us right here, even in our assembly, here in the preached word. But this is one I really want to talk about. This applies to our evangelistic efforts as members of a local church. Like in other words, what God wants there to be is this culture of prayerful support as each one of us are witnessing for Christ in our different spheres of influence. In other words, God wants us to have like a stake in the relationships that each of us has that we would so get to know each other that we would get to know the names of coworkers that don't know Jesus and that we would pray with them, that we would care. We would ask and follow up with them being like, what's God doing there? Are you getting opportunities? And sometimes you're going to be discouraged. You know what you should do? Enlist a brother's sympathetic knee. You should go in prayer together and you should shake that tree together until the fruit falls. You know, what a joy it would be and what a joy it is to shake a tree with another brother or sister and then watch God rain down that joyous fruit from heaven, to watch people walk through that door of salvation and to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every blessing is meant to enter through the door of prayer. So let's pray it down. Let's shake the tree together. And we learn here about Paul's priorities in prayer. You know, there's something we learn about priority here. What does Paul care about? Like, what's on the forefront of Paul's mind? Well, first, back up a second. Where is Paul? Right? We're told he's in prison, on account of which I'm in prison. So he's in there for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's in there because doors have been opened, and he's been walking through and preaching the gospel, right? So he's in prison right now. His first prayer is not, pray that I can get another pillow in here. Pray for my meals, but those are really legitimate things to pray for, especially in prisons at that time, right? He's not praying for his own comfort. He's not praying for his own. He's praying 
for the for doors of opportunity to be open and the hearts of men to be open to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. For him, he did not see his imprisonment as an obstacle to the gospel being shared. Do you realize that? Some of us right now feel like, yeah, but the circumstances of my life make it impossible for me to be sharing the gospel right now. Baloney. Paul is in prison. You'd say, oh, this is a time he's bound. What can he do? And Paul says, look, I'll endure anything for the sake of the elect. And, and I might be bound, but the word of God is not bound. That's what the Apostle Paul says. And he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, it's glorious how he says, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And he says, oh, on top of that, most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Not exactly, yeah, inconvenient, yes, but strategic in God's eyes, in his kingdom. God's opening doors, even in the most inconvenient circumstances. Sometimes the most inconvenient circumstances are like lice in the barracks. They are the open door. God wants to open doors. God will open doors through prayer. I love this story about Hudson Taylor on the mission field. He's, there's, he's uh, from the China Inland Mission. He's a really famous missionary. And there's all these mission statements or mission stations in, in China. And they're stationed. There's good, godly, faithful missionaries in all these different stations. But one of those stations with a group of missionaries was particularly blessed of the Lord. And it just stood out head and shoulders from all the other mission stations. And people wonder, What's going on there that's not happening elsewhere? And, and no one could really account for it because there's very competent, very godly missionaries in these places doing good work. And Hudson was asked to come on, on some speaking engagements in England. So he's, he's preaching and teaching in these different places. And he, a guy comes up to him after one of the events. And after a longer conversation, he realizes that this guy that's come to him is an old college roommate of the missionary that's stationed at that, at that station that has experienced so much blessing. And through more conversations, Hudson Taylor learned like, that this guy has been praying every, he's committed a long time ago, praying every single day for God's blessing on his gospel through that particular missionary and that particular mission station. station. And I love it because at that moment, Hudson Taylor it basically is like, and then I knew my answer. What accounts for the difference? This saint on the other part of the world praying earnestly for the breakthrough in this place. God is pleased to answer believing prayer, persistent prayer, thankful prayer. But notice Paul doesn't stop there. And I'm closing on this point. Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, I pray, pray for us that the door for the word, pray for an open door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. But he also says that I may make it clear. Think about it this way. You're walking through a building with tons of passages, passageways, right? And you're going through and you just happen to be walking to this person. And every time you get to the door, the person just very like, hey, can you open the door for me? And every time you're like, yeah, sure, no problem. You, you open the door and they just stand there. They just look at the door, like, okay, whatever, you keep going. Every time you come to the door, they don't open, they ask you to open the door, but they never walk through it. 
the Apostle Paul here is saying like, that's one thing to ask for doors to be open. It's another thing to walk through that door. And it's one thing to have opportunities. It's another thing to seize opportunities. So he says, pray not just for the open door, but he's also saying, pray that I might speak the gospel clearly, that I might walk through that door and seize the opportunity. In other words, pray that I might not shrink back from declaring this gospel when the door is open. It can seem so courageous to pray for these things. It's another thing to walk through the door and do the actual courageous thing. What does it mean to speak to make it clear, to make the gospel clear. Well, I think in part it means plain, simple, uncomplicated. Don't make it overly complicated. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, came to die for sinners. He rose from the dead so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's, it's simple, it's uncomplicated, it's profound at the same time. So we need to make it plain, but we also want to be direct. I want to listen close to when I'm saying this. I think that part of what Paul's saying here is not just to make it simple and plain, but to be direct about it. So when we share the gospel, we're helping people see the implications or believing or not believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, bringing the gospel to bear on people's souls. So for example, I want to tell you right here, if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus, to not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ means that your soul is in danger of going to hell and experiencing the wrath of God for eternity. And I'm not speaking in general. I'm thinking you, if you don't believe, his wrath will fall on you. You see, I want to be, we want to be direct with people and help people to understand the weight of what's going on and the urgency of putting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul spoke to this about, to young pastor Timothy. He told him, he says, Preach the word. The Lord Jesus is coming back. You preach the word. And he says, because I'm telling you, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. People just gather together, people that will tell them what they want to hear. But what's Paul's word to Timothy? You preach the word. Preach the word. Don't shrink back. Live in light of the Lord's return. Paul says, and this captures the flavor of what he's praying for when he says that I will make it clear. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse two, listen to his words. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. One last verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Look at all of these themes in our passage today come together. These lessons about praying persistently and, and this prayer request that the door would be open. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 17, going through verse 20. He says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, we hear this word on prayer. 
Brothers and sisters, let's be a people that persist in prayer, that are watchful in prayer, that are thankful in prayer, so that we have the perspective that we need to keep persisting in prayer. And let's let our priorities be set. Let's hear this request. Let's let one of the main things on our agenda be praying for God to open gospel opportunities and that we would seize those opportunities and walk through them. And for those of you who are heard being baptized, where, where's Lance, Lydia, where's Nathan? Nathan, I just think about you. I want you guys to take this to heart in a special way today. I think this is such a fitting word for you on the day that you're going to be baptized because your life of prayer is going to be the lifeblood of your Christian life. Your power will come from connecting to the source and that is our risen Lord Jesus Christ. So I exhort you guys in a special way today, pray earnestly, learn, learn the discipline of watchfulness. And in the hardest seasons, we talk, we joked this morning that this doesn't seem like a very fitting day for a baptism. It should be stormy because so much of the Christian life is hard and there's a ruggedness to the Christian life. Last year, it was epic because it was storming out. We're like, we're doing it anyway. Right, But here it's sunshine, and so we have to, there's like hardly even any wind, and so we have to just remind us that there's going to be many different seasons in the Christian life, but you're going to have brothers and sisters to shake the tree with you, to kneel with you with sympathetic knee, to cry out to the Lord to do what ultimately only he can do. And I encourage you to be watchful, and I encourage you to pray with each other, pray with other believers, cry earnestly for God to open doors. And it's our prayer for you. And we're going to have, a con- as a congregation, going to get to pray for them after they share their testimonies. And this is one of the things you can pray. You can pray that, they would, that God would open gospel opportunities for them and give them the courage to heed those opportunities, even as we pray that for all of our own hearts. And my longing, church, my longing, it's been, it's been a nagging longing in my heart for some time is that We've seen, by God's grace, a pretty steady stream of people coming to Christ in these past years. I feel discontent about that, but I am thankful. Because <laughs> I want, I just long for more conversions. I long for more people that go from death to life. There's a lot of lost people in this town. And a lot of people that are really religious and don't realize they're lost. And only the power of God can break through those rusty hinges in the door of their hearts. And so my prayer and exhortation, my final thing is this. My prayer is that by this time next year, there will be more people being baptized. Not because we can affect the change ultimately, but we can pray earnestly for opportunities. And you know who I'm hoping that it'll come from more than anybody? Yes, I hope that people will be converted under the preaching of the word on the Lord's Day. But my longing, what would give my heart so much joy, is to see people come to know Jesus Christ through you, church. Through your words, through your witness. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. May that be our prayer, that God would open doors for the gospel. If you are edified by what you heard today, please leave us a review and share these episodes with a friend. Stick around because our show is going to end a bit differently today. We're going to hear the closing prayer of Pastor Brandon's message. Until next time, thank you for listening and tune in next Wednesday to hear from another unfamous pastor. And as always, take the truth you've heard, apply it to your life, and live it out in ministry.
Lord, we come to you and we humbly acknowledge that we have at many times been lousy watchmen. God, and we're grieved by that. Lord, some people here have been drifting, dangerously drifting. And Lord, I pray that you would lovingly bring them back, even in this moment. Bring them back from their wanderings. Bring them back from their strings. They're drifting. God, help their soul to recognize the danger. Wake them from their sleep. Help all of us to be more watchful, Lord. And God, for those who don't even realize that they're called to be a watchman on the walls and have been neglecting it throughout their lives, I pray that you'd bring new life to the heart, that you'd sovereignly, by a move of your spirit, bring new life to their hearts, even this day. God, I pray that by this time next year, that you would have drawn more souls to yourself through the faithful witness of faithful members of Fellowship Bible Church. Just everyday saints that love you and want to live for you. God, would you bless it? Would you open doors of opportunities and give them the courage to walk through them for the glory of your name, for the salvation of your souls? I pray that all of us would have that heart of Dr. Bacchus that we would say in our last hours, just put me on my knees and let me spend the last half hour of my life praying for the blessing of God on the church of God and on the souls of men. And Lord, I pray it wouldn't just be in our last hour, that it would be our throughout our whole lives that we'd be seizing half-hour blocks to be on our knees, crying out for such priorities as these that we've heard in this word. In Jesus' name.